Our first reading is Deuteronomy 4, 1 to 14. Now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them, so you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everybody who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me and hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. The second reading is Deuteronomy 4, verse 25 to 40. After you have children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger, I call to the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see, hear, or eat, or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him uh, with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God, and he will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he has confirmed to them by oath. Ask now the former as ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the days God created human beings on the earth, 
asked from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great like this ever happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation, by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? Were you shown these things so that you might know you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God, besides him there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you, and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and no and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving to you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Thanks, guys. So if you good to have your Bible open in front of you, feel free to come down and grab one from there. That's totally fine. Just tidy up. As ever, we'll look at all of the chapters. It just takes a long time to read the whole thing out, so we skip ten verses there. Well, have you put together any flat pack furniture lately? Just got a slide there, thanks, Robert. Half a mic here or somewhere like that. I mean, it takes me ages just to get past the first page, because, next slide. They expect you to learn all these languages first before you can start reading the instructions, don't they? And then, next slide, you find out it's all in pictures anyway. But let me give you a top tip, right? Hard-earned, hard-learned tip. It's very wise to pay attention to those introductory pages that you're tempted to just skip past. To make sure that you've got all the essential bits and pieces that you're going to need to do a good job for your furniture to turn out how the creator's intended. Read the introductory pages so you know, make it so how the creator's intended it to be. Here in chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, Moses starts, verse 1. Now, hear Israel, hear, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Okay, it says that at verse 1. But verse 44, right at the end of the chapter, then he says, this is the law. As in, he doesn't actually get around in this chapter to giving the laws and the decrees that he introduces the chapter with. Instead, in this section, this introductory section, Moses sets out what all the bits and pieces that they need to know to give them half a chance of listening to God and obeying him as they enter the promised land. To make sure they've got everything they need to do a good job of obeying God and turning out to be the people their creator intended in the land that he set aside for them. 
So just to get you up to speed, if you're just joining us today, this is our second week looking at Deuteronomy. Moses is giving his final parting words to Israel on the edge of the promised land. They've been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years after God had dramatically rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Um, he made them his very own nation. Uh, it's called Mount Horeb in, in Deuteronomy. In Exodus, it's called Mount Sinai. Uh, he promises them this, this land, this prime real estate of their own. And Moses has already had this generation, we saw last week, looking back at how their parents, despite everything God had done for them, his faithful care of them, their parents had not listened and not obeyed, refusing to enter the land. And then at last, here they are on the edge of the land again. Almost time to go in there. And so Moses wants them to avoid the same mistakes of their parents by listening to God's instructions to his laws, his decrees and commands, and obeying them. Because they're God's blueprint of how they can respond in a whole-of-life-everything-they-are kind of way to God's grace to them. So that's where we are. We're sitting on the grass with the Israelites listening to Moses. Okay. So first, there's an outline in your leaflets. Pretty simple. But first up then, listen and obey for mission. Listen and obey for mission. So verse 1 gives us the headlines, obey to enjoy the good life. And then verse 2, you don't need to work it out for yourself, just obey God. Um, Verse 3 and 4, he goes into how there's consequences for not listening and obeying. Verse 3 and 4 there is referring to an incident where God put to death those who disobeyed God, but kept those who were faithful. So God has already shown in their lived history what Moses is saying here, that these aren't just arbitrary laws, they're not just a test, they're not just God being difficult, but that they are good, right responses to God's freely given grace and the responses that will result in life and that disobeying God's word in the new land will be just plain bad for them. Now, we might just object a bit in the back of our heads thinking, well, hang on, isn't like salvation and God's grace by grace? It's not about obeying a bunch of rules to earn salvation. You know, when we looked at Colossians, we saw that life, that salvation comes by faith through grace, not just by obeying a bunch of rules. Well, we'll see in a couple of weeks in chapter 6 that God is after a heart obedience, like you really mean it. It's coming from who you are. So just as we saw in Colossians say, we're to obey in response to the blessings we have already and will have in Christ by faith. So here for Israel, they're to express their faith in God, whose grace they've already physically seen in material action. It's just that for them then, they're being called to do that in very specific ways of obeying, which points to the bigger picture of their special relationship with God. And if they follow these ways, it will bring them a good, long life in the promised land. That's the promise. But it's not just them that will benefit from obeying God's words. Their obedience has got a mission. There's an outward-looking aspect to it. So verse 6 on the screen. Observe the laws and decrees carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations 
who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? So here's an old joke from the promised land. A Moabite, an Egyptian and an Ammonite go into a bar. So the Ammonite bumps his head on the way in because he's really tall like King Gog, you know. He brags about how tough his people are. The Egyptian bangs on and on about these new triangular pointy tombs that he's building. He's really pleased with himself. But the Moabite doesn't join him with all that. The Moabite says, yeah, that's all pretty impressive. But what about those Israelites, eh? The others go quiet. They nod knowingly. Those Israelites, they just seem to get everything right. They live such peaceful well-organized, prosperous lives. Even their poorest ones are taken care of. And they seem so assured when they do their worship and all that. They seem happy, confident. And they don't even know what their God looks like. And yet they talk about him more like he's he's their king or, or even like their father than a God that they have to stay on the right side of. That kind of conversation, that was the missional aim of Israel hearing God's word and obeying it. That the nations would be just wowed by this nation of God. So near our house is um, a street with all the show homes. I don't know if you've ever been in them. If you go in a show home, they don't have daggy carpets. They don't have washing up in the sink. They don't have holes in the walls or dripping taps. They, They sell you a lifestyle and show you stuff that makes you think, this is a good house builder, and this is the kind of life I want. That's what Israel will be for God in the promised land, if they listen to God's words and obey them. And we get the same idea for us in the New Testament. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So that live such good lives that even if people want to have a go at you, they know deep inside there's something right. Israel listening to God's words and obeying them is going to be good for them. And it's going to be good for others pointing them to God. And as we listen to God's words in the Bible and be like the man who builds his house on a rock, putting them into practice putting them into action, turning from sin, trusting in Jesus. We become more and more like a show home for God. So that when we share the good news about Jesus with words, our lives adorn the gospel. So that even if people want to, want to be or feel like they ought to be against Jesus, they just can't help seeing that there's something to him. So observe, know and carry out God's words carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding and will demonstrate God's goodness and grace. So that's our first point. Next point. Listen and obey by remembering. Now, I know it's July already, but let me ask you, how's your New Year's resolution going? 
if you made one. Can you even remember what it was? Well, good on you if you can. But we forget things, don't we? Even things that were important to us at the time. You can picture Moses giving this talk and the audience nodding along. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, preach it, Moses. But Moses is nobody's fool. I mean, he's not cynical, but he, he's been around the block. He just gets people, okay? I've been told several times that I'm, in my moments of dramatic crisis, I'm calm and unflappable, and that generally I don't get carried away when others are. Now, I put that down to partly to growing up around foster children all the time, and they had difficult lives, lots of dramas and crises, and that was just part of the wallpaper growing up. And also, I used to work as a radiographer. You'd meet 100 people a day, all sorts of people, all walks of life, every kind of person. And it's just helped me to, I just get people. Well, Moses gets people. Moses especially, he gets Israel. He understands him. He's seen good intentions before, and he warns them to remember and to teach their children so that they remember too. Verse verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So following God is not uh, being a disciple of Jesus. It's not a sort of set and forget thing. Yes, you you are a child of God as much today as when you first believed. Your eternal life with God is secure in Jesus right now. And yet the Bible is full of warnings like this one to not forget. The book of Hebrews has got 12 warnings against falling away for Christians. And why? Because God knows and Moses knew that part of our fallenness is that we are prone to forgetting and disobeying. See, even though they'd seen incredible things with their eyes, coming out of Egypt, all of that, there's still a danger that the memory of them will fade from their heart. They'll forget God. I reckon one of the first steps we take towards sin is to distance ourselves from God. And it's just good to recognize that we do that uh, so we can watch carefully that we don't do it. So, for example, just to illustrate, our dog, Lily, she does this, when we give her a big, thick chew stick, she does this weird thing where she starts whimpering and dashes around the house looking for somewhere secret to have it all to herself, as if she's doing something wrong. And that's what we do with sin. I don't know if you've ever been in a, a really good service or something or a Christian conference, and you have that feeling, you, you're so... Loving God, and you're, so, you're just so into God right there. You can't imagine why you ever wanted to sin. But then, eventually, once that's over, you find yourself avoiding the Bible, avoiding prayer, maybe avoiding certain people, avoiding church. Because that distance allows your heart to call towards God and accept the sin. So what can we do to avoid all of that? We can build discipline. And I'm preaching to myself here, as always. We can, pre- we can build discipline so that our Bible reading and prayer 
isn't just about whether or not we feel like it. But we read the Bible and then we pray because that's what we do at that time every day. What else can we do? We can give one another permission to ask one another questions of significance. Give one another permission to ask questions of significance. My old boss, John Warner, who visits us here to talk about BCA, he's really good at this. You can have the most seemingly trivial catch-up. He will always ask you something that makes you squirm. Asking those pointy questions that helps you to see if you're forgetting God. And they're hard to go through sometimes, but you always feel leaving glad that he asked. So it's a good way of loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And can I encourage you in your growth groups to work hard at making those a safe place for you to open up to one another in. To say how you're really going and what you're really struggling with so we can help one another. So I've got routines, be open to one another, give one another permission. And also these days, we've got technology. Like whatever it is that you use to stuff things into your brain. For most of us, it's this, isn't it? Scrolling through stuff. You can scroll through the Bible. You can scroll through Christian websites. You can listen to... Sharon's always walking around the house with earpods in, always listening to a sermon. If you need help finding some good ones, I can help you with that. But just ask yourself, what will you do to be careful and to watch yourself closely? Be careful and watch yourself closely to remember how good and great God is. At verses 11 to 14, Moses reminds them of their awesome encounter with the living God. There was fire, there was smoke, and they didn't didn't see him, but they heard him. God himself spoke to them. God is a God who speaks. For us, God speaks to us us through his word in the Bible. (laughs) What a gift, eh? We don't have to do a bunch of stuff or set a mood or a vibe for the Holy Spirit to talk to us. The Holy Spirit, his words are written down for us in the Bible. He wrote it by inspiring real people in real places with their voice and their brains and everything, but to have written down the words the Holy Spirit wanted us to have access to today. And as we read the Bible The work of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate illuminate and bring alive those words to us, to hit them home, speak to us at a heart level through them. And that's what we pray will happen before every service. Just a quick aside, lots of you have been reading through Acts. And of course in Acts there's loads of incidents in there where the Holy Spirit talks directly, says, Paul, don't go that way, go that way kind of thing. And I've been asked in the past, why don't we have moments for that kind of thing in a service like this? And that's because, uh, for a few reasons, number one, Paul didn't do anything to make that happen, did he? He didn't sit, he didn't, doesn't tell us Paul was waiting on God and God spoke to him. God just spoke to him because God wanted to speak. And who's Paul to interrupt him? Secondly, um, we're never promised that that is the method that God will talk to us now. Of course he can, 
and does. I believe that he does. But we are promised lots of times that the Holy Spirit's words written down for us in the Bible, he is going to speak to us through those. So that's why we major on the Bible in all of our ministries. And if God wants to tell us other stuff, that's up to him. That was just an aside. Anyway, watch yourselves and one another closely so that you do not forget. God speaks through his word, so listen to him. And if you're feeling like you've put some distance between you and God, blanking him out, well, it's time to come back to him and remember him again. Today, now, this morning. Moses, though, is realistic. And he says to Israel, next heading, you won't listen and obey. Listen and obey. But Moses says, you won't listen and obey. But, but... So verse 15 to 20, they've been a warning against idolatry, pointing out just how daft it is to carve something that looks like a good thing, I don't know, a goose, and worship that. When God is, something that God's given everyone, something that's God's treasured possession, turn that into the thing that you worship, whereas God is unseen. And then verse 25 begins with, if you end up getting into idolatry. But as Moses goes on, it sounds more and more like he's saying, when you get into idolatry, doesn't it? For, uh, verse 25. You will quickly perish on the land. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the people, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat, or smell. Uh, maybe Moses has been shown by God the future, that Israel will indeed eventually be kicked out of the promised land. Maybe he just knows what they're like, and he knows the consequences of consistently disobeying God, and he's put the two and two together. Either way, the prospects don't look good. But if we look back to Genesis 22, see, God had guaranteed to Abram, he made a guarantee Verse seven, chapter Genesis 22, uh, verse 17. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Sea, sea your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and that through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So that's guaranteed. And yet it also seems guaranteed that Israel will disobey not keeping their side of the covenant, their their covenant with God, and so are doomed to end up in exile from the land. So how do those two things fit together? They guarantee they will be blessed, they guarantee they'll be exiled. Those two things come together because there is hope, not in themselves, but in God. So verse back to Deuteronomy Chapter 4, verse 29. But if from there, from that place of judgment for disobedience, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you, or forget the covenant with your ancestors, 
which he confirmed to them by oath. God will keep his promises. God will find a way to overcome their disobedience. Even when they've thrown his covenant of grace back in his face, it's not the end of the road. There are consequences. There's judgment, there's discipline. But there's grace after judgment. God promises if they return back, he will be merciful. So God is true to that promise to Abram, giving his giving descendants and the promised land. And God is true to his promise of blessing all the nations, all humanity, through one of Abram's descendants, through Jesus. See, every one of us has failed to love God as we should and failed to love each other as we should. We all deserve exile from God. But if we turn to him, he is merciful. And how do we do that? By trusting and believing in Jesus. Because Jesus listened to and obeyed God perfectly. And because he did that, his death on the cross takes away the punishment we deserve, turning away God's wrath for our refusing to listen and obey. God, Jesus perfectly fulfills God's promises. By taking the punishment we deserve for disobeying his good ways and blessing us who listen to him and obey him by winning us eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. So on the cross, he keeps, Jesus keeps God's promise of justice, of judgment, and his promise of mercy. So Moses motivates the Israelites to their obedience by showing them their history of experiencing God's grace is the best thing ever. That's our next heading, the best thing ever. Moses gives this sort of story so far of Israel's history. And when he holds up to the light all the amazing things that God has done, he's right to ask in verse 32, since humans were created from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great happened or been heard of? It's a rhetorical question. No, of course not. Nothing so great has happened or been heard of. Israel, they've heard the voice of God. They've been made his personal nation with him as their head of state. They've seen miracles and wonders. They've won wars they shouldn't have won. They've been delivered from slavery from the superpower Egypt. They've been led through the desert and provided for all that time. And why? Verse 35. You were shown these things so that you might know the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. So as they're on the edge of meeting their God-given destiny, going into the promised land, they're reminded that God has shown them grace and power from the beginning. And that this law he's given them is part of that grace. It's another good thing that he's given them. And obeying it is the way to respond to the grace they've already seen. Why would they ever want to disobey him? For us here and now, God has personally intervened to bless us through Jesus. You know, Moses didn't make it to the promised land, and yet Deuteronomy is not the last we see of him in the Bible, is it? In Matthew 17, we find him on a mountaintop, hearing God's words again, along with Elijah, who'd also heard, God, heard God's voice on Mount Horeb, along with three of Jesus' disciples at Jesus' transfiguration. 
And what do they all hear God say about Jesus? Moses is there, Elijah is there, the three disciples. Matthew 17, verse 5. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God fulfills his promise to bless the nations, to bless us through Jesus. Listen to him and obey by turning from sin and believing in him. Finally, Moses urges them to take to heart, take to heart all that they've seen and heard. I mean, why should they listen and obey to this law they're about to hear? Because God is good, and so his law will bring them life. Verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today. Why? So that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. For all time. They had the opportunity to enjoy the good life with God in the land forever. So for these Israelites listening to Moses on the edge of the land, it made perfect sense now to hear now how God wanted them to live. He's the only true God. He's got their best interests at heart. And he's going to tell them exactly how to please him. They're not going to be left guessing. Now, because of Jesus, we're no longer under this law. And John will talk more about that next week, looking at the Ten Commandments. But there's much we can learn from the law about what is wise, about what pleases God, about what God is like. We're not under the law, but we are still called to listen and to obey. To hear Jesus call to turn away from our sin, to turn back to God, trusting and believing in Jesus. And when we do that, God is faithful and will forgive our sin, giving us long life with him, not in promised land, but for eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess there are ways we've tried to run off and hide so we can uh, get on with this sin we want to do. Lord, please change our hearts, soften our hearts, bring us to repentance and bring us back to you. Uh, lead us to hate sin, to love you, to love your ways, to really listen and obey. Help us where we're um, weak and just um, plain self-centered in uh, not reading your word, not praying, not building one another up and just help us find ways to read your word no matter what to pray no matter what to care for one another no matter what to listen and obey so that we don't forget you I thank you there is always that promise of grace after judgment that after the cross there was resurrection and we'll be part of that in eternity Amen. Prayers now.